0: Hello, IreneCast listeners. This is Jeff. Before we start the show this week, I want to remind everyone that our next Intersections cohort is coming up in February. We close every episode of the show by saying thanks for joining the conversation, and we hope that's what you're doing with trusted friends and or family. But we also understand that for many of you, there is no one to speak to about these things. Deconstruction can be a lonely process. Intersections is an opportunity to speak with others who have experienced the pain and heartache of being in fundamentalist communities. These weekly conversations are facilitated by myself, Bonnie, Casey, and Rajiv. Our winter 2022 cohort is Thursdays, February 3rd through March 10th at 7 p.m. Pacific time via Zoom. Space is limited, so please register today on our Intersections website, theintersections.space. That's theintersections.space, or you can just use the link in the show notes for this episode. And now, without any further ado, here is today's episode. Hello, everyone,
1: and welcome. We are a a group of folks leaning into our progressive Christian imagination. This is Rajiv.
0: I'm Jeff. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. And on the first and third Tuesday of every month,
2: we provoke conversation for shifting perspectives on theology and
1: culture. Thank you for joining us. This week, we're taking on the not-so-complex topic of love. It's a big one.
2: The not so complex topic. The,
1: yeah, you know, a little sarcasm <laughs> okay. goes a long way.
2: <laughs>
1: and we're we're going to do our best to to wrestle with it, recognizing it's bigger than all of us and will remain a mystery before, during and after the conversation. But it's important to talk about. It. And on the other side of the conversation, we're going to be taking on a brand new segment idea called bad advice column stay tuned because your life will be changed <laughs> that's
0: right rajiv is becoming a uh, like a segment machine he's just coming out with ideas left and right yeah. so this is another one by by the the great rajiv bringing us some fun times in the end
3: <laughs> i keep telling you uh, look you all know that bonnie and i are not the fun ones so uh, rajiv makes up for all of our lack of fun mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure I ever aspired to be the fun one in a group. <laughs> well,
3: you found but, yourself there. Well, so. <laughs> I'll, I'll take
1: it. If that's the role, that's the role. <laughs> um, so to start with, let's take turns like good little children <laughs> and share our definition of love.
3: I think my working definition or the one that is in process for me has been working uh, for the good of another. Uh, always always working for their good. Um and so in loving you it means that I'm I'm just always working for your best interests and wanting and wanting your good, whatever mm. that is.
1: That's really good. You know, the weird thing about having grown up with a lot of Bible frameworks for everything in life, my first thing is I go to that chapter that gets yeah, read at every conservative go. Christian wedding. And, you know, in revisiting it recently, I'm like, you know, there's some really good stuff in here. You know, it's really a beautiful passage. And so, you know, I guess I would start there, and you know, I'm not gonna r- recite the whole thing. I, I think to your point, Casey, there's an ebb and flow in that, because there's a lot of other focus in that reading. But then I would I would also connect it to love thy neighbor as thyself because there it's also other and self is central because if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor?
3: That's what RuPaul said.
1: Yeah. And, (laughs) and, and you know, there's still more to unpack on what it means to love oneself. It is, it's what's the best wanting the best wanting the healthiest, safest, most life giving choices conditions etc
0: i'm so glad you talked first Rajiv, because i was going to sarcastically start reciting (laughs) first corinthians 13 (laughs) so with that off the table and my joke aside uh i i mean it's kind of the same boat that you two are all in like i think it's just leaving space for thriving and and like you know Almost a, you know, I don't want to say a gamified version of it, but in our decisions in the spaces we create, trying to create the widest circle possible for mm-hmm. thriving.
2: I, I think I'm going to quote Lady Bird from from the movie uh-huh. um, from our hometown here, Sacramento, set in Sacramento. I think love is attention. Sometimes we say we want the best wanting the best is, a, is certainly, it's a part of love, but we often don't know what that best is because we're not in the other person's head. We're not in their life. They're not, I, I mean, I just, the, I'm reacting to it. I'm noticing that I'm triggered by that phrase because I've been told that so many times, like, I want the best for you. And the people who said that, it wasn't out of a loving tone or like, posture towards me. It was more out of a, I want to control you. And so I'm going to help you know what the best for you is. And I know that's not at all what we're talking about, but I'm just, I'm throwing it out there as, you know, someone else might be experiencing a trigger too. So I'm just throwing that out there. But attention, like to deeply attend to somebody and to, to be with them alongside them to value another one's existence to the extent that they're worthy and uh, of your attention, of one's attention. That feels very loving to me without wanting anything, maybe.
3: I think, I think it's really important as we are navigating this conversation uh, around love to, to really notice sort of, how we were taught, um, you know, both in church and outside of church, culturally, what love looks like, because we have such distorted images of love. Um, Love um, for women, the expectation of women loving their husbands or their partners um, is very different than how, you know, a man is supposed to love, you know, their wife or their partner's and when you bring all of that baggage to a relationship to a marriage i think it creates a holy other that is awful awful first of all and unhelpful and so i'm wondering if maybe we should just speak to some of that as we're navigating i think in this conversation around love it might be helpful for us to say what love isn't as much as we acknowledge what love what we what we hope to accomplish in saying what love is In this conversation,
2: I think that's really insightful, Casey. I I mean, I'd love to hear more about when you say that's really awful. Like, can you can you say more about that?
3: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in my many years of ministry, and when I've sat down with couples who are struggling, maybe in their relationships, and I begin to hear what the unspoken expectations that they have on themselves are that are not being mentioned, right? That the husband feels like he must be the provider, right? That he cannot share his emotions, that he cannot bring his frustrations or his pain to his wife because he needs to look stable and healthy. He needs to be the breadwinner or whatever. All of these expectations um, The wife feeling like she can't, you know, that she cannot come alongside, that she must be subservient or whatever, you know, that she has to sort of um, support whatever awful decision her husband's making because, you know, he's the one to make these decisions. And all of these unspoken rules or all of these things that have been sort of imposed into this marriage without them ever discussing it or ever even acknowledging that these are things that are happening, even maybe consciously or subconsciously, I think they're awful.
2: Under the name of love.
3: Under the name of love. Mm -hmm. I love my husband, so I allow him to make this Mm dumbass decision to move us away from our families. Because it's what's best for us. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Stuff like that.
0: You know, Casey, when you say that, I'm like flooded with all these things of like love and how love a lot of times is used in the context of authority and institutions and institutions can't love. So when people are talking about like their marriage dynamic, they're talking about the institution of marriage, the institution of the church or whatever, and institutions can't love. It's got, it's something else. And with like when we ascribe that, we ascribe love to institutions. We really do a lot of damage to how we we use that word and how we experience love in general yeah i mean
1: institutions take on the morals and values of the people that are part of the institution at any given point so i agree with you there but i I have a question in follow-up to what you were talking about Casey. you know when we take the posture of the recipient of bad love you know, having these identifying characteristics, et cetera, et cetera. Those are really important. But here's what I'm wondering. What is going on in the perpetrator of bad love that makes that happen? What are the core ingredients or are there core ingredients that cause people to misuse love in, in the word itself, not the real thing?
3: I think we all have been perpetrators of bad love at some point on the journey. And I think some of it comes from our upbringing, some of it comes from our cultural experiences, and some of it just comes from life experience. Think of the first person that you said you loved on the playground or whatever, you know. You had no idea. You had no idea what love meant. We still hardly know what love means. That's why I said my definition is a working definition, because I feel like I might say process a lot, (laughs) like I might follow in Bonnie's way on this, but I really do think that there are a lot of things that uh, uh, attribute to us uh, or to anyone who is exuding bad love, you know, fear. I think fear is a major piece of that, a fear of abandonment, a fear of rejection,
2: and shame. I mean, honestly, that's a cocktail for destruction. And I think there's a lot of confusion, you know, plain confusion because of the teaching around love and what love is supposed to look like, like to be the provider, to be the decision maker, or that, that each of us has a particular role in relational love and that we're supposed to yield Things that we might feel like we should be responsible for. You're supposed to yield those to the others in the relationship and you're supposed to carry, you know, whatever. Um, So there's a lot of confusion. And and I think you're, Casey, like you're totally right on. It's process. It's process. Love, the definition of love that we come up with right now, it's going to, we're going to feel differently about that. And society was going to feel differently about that definition in time. I think that's all exciting. And also it can, you know, not to have love be a fixed category can be uh, troubling to some folks.
3: Sure. I mean, just because like all of these things, right, that if it means uh, there is the ability to change, then what? I mean, I've said this on the show before, but one of the things I love best about the ramp ops is um, their question to each other. You've heard it on the show you know, who are you today? Or what, what is your uh, what is your favorite food today? Right? I mean, I think there's a deep knowing of of the two of you that it was insightful to me and can be insightful to, to many of us. Because I think that if we can't hold our partners lo- loosely or the people we love, it doesn't just have to be intimate partners. But the ability to hold the ones we love loosely and to not confine them to, this is how our relationship has been. This is how it needs to be forever. Um, if you do that, you are choking out a person. And
2: you are ultimately choking out a relationship. And it's terrifying for some, to, to right? To, to think sure. that tomorrow Absolutely. I'm going to wake up to somebody different.
1: Yeah. I want to move the conversation just a little bit into the realm of knowing which is hard like how do you know when you love something or someone
2: for me it comes back to attention and um and a yearning when when there isn't the space or the time to receive or give attention there's a yearning for it you know there's a there's a desire to be in the attention or giving attention or you know that space between us, to be in that space between us, to, to create the space that's between us. I think that's one reason why I think meditation is so powerful, prayer, whatever you want to call it, where you just sit with yourself and you notice the thoughts that come through the images, the thoughts, the, the feelings. That's how I know who and what i love
1: mhm i i think the the part of the knowing comes with a sense of joy like joy is, is kind of a, an identifier maybe like when you actually experience joy because the person you love or whatever is is fulfilled in a particular moment or receives a gift or accolades that they so well deserve. There's nothing about you that's in the equation in that moment. It's entirely a joy fueled by your love and adoration of the other. Uh, and and that kind of helps me know that. And I think folks in in loving relationships know what that's like. As a parent, I know what that's like. As a spouse, I know what that's like.
0: I'm, I'm not sure how to answer that question. It feels, and this is just how it feels for me in the moment, but it feels like akin to like, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? That it's trying to apply certainty to something that maybe necessarily doesn't need certainty and that you can almost damage it by seeking certainty. So how do I know? I don't know. I don't know if I know. I don't know if I want to know. Um, Yeah, I mean that's my answer.
3: (laughs) I I think it's uh, for me. It's a lot of what you both have said, Bunny and Rajiv. That attention. It's the joy of the other. I mean that real joy when you know my husband is uh, Jose. (laughs) My husband is um, is working now and is just really thriving in his work, and to see him come home every night and just be so. Happy with what he's doing, and like I just it's eleven o'clock at night, and you know i'm typically like i'm dead at, at like I'm like ready to sleep at ten, but I've been waiting up and just like like an anxious puppy for him to come home and tell me what he's done and how how he's doing and and just cheering him on in his work, and that's that feeling that energy of like I want your best, i want you know I want to hear the joys of your work and i want to celebrate with you and i miss you when you're gone and i want to i want to have a little snack ready for you when you get home you know where you put your treasure or something there your heart is also that it, that's that that's kind of that idea that it's like where you put your energy um is where your heart is and so i think whether that be in your intimate relationships again or or in your friendships you'll know by where you put your treasure because that's where your heart is too. And I would say, oh, I have to say this, but I've recently had this major revelation about relationships. And that is, this is a, mute, a mutual sort of thing, right? And I think it's really important, this um, love your, you know, love, like you were saying, love your neighbor as yourself. But the noticing that I'm having is who are the people in your life, friends, I'm talking to you as an audience um, that are giving back to you. Because I think sometimes, because of the traditions we grew up in, we think that love is giving, giving, giving until it hurts to all the people around us. And that though that all of these people are our friends. Um, and my husband always tells me, they're not all your friends, babe. They're not all your friends. And as I'm sort of aging, and I'm noticing, you know, 2020 was a great help at this. Notice the people who actually are also investing in you, where their treasure, their heart is also. And so, ride with the ones who ride with you, honey. That's been my phrase recently. Ride with the ones who ride with you. That's my little uh, tagline for the day.
0: I I was just... Uh, Casey, that's beautiful. I love it. And by the end of this episode, the, the subtitle may be Jeff hates love, but I want, <laughs> <laughs> I want to push back a little bit. I, I mean, really to, to kind of everything we've talked about, we're talking about like these moments of love, like, you know, that wonderfully endearing story, Casey, of your husband coming home and you just want to be there for him. Um, but what about the nights where you don't? Does that mean love is absent because those, like, those moments and those feelings aren't there? Like I think we romanticize love so much that it's easy to feel like, well, if I'm not feeling happy, if I'm not feeling this in the moment, then, then is love gone? Is love something that needs to be cultivated? Can hurt and sorrow live in love also? all those things surround it. Is love big enough to, to contain all of those things at once. And if it is, then what does it look like when we're just tired? Like, you know, almost every day when I, when my, you know, let's use the regular example, but you know, every day when my kids come home from school, they always say something hilarious and endearing. And I just like, I just listen to them talk all day. But then there's some moments where it's like, i am had a long day. I, I know the story is super important to you. I know that, you know, your friend said this or whatever, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm dismissive. I, I can be sometimes. And it's like, how, how do you really? And that's, I think that's my whole uncom- being uncomfortable with certainty because in those moments, can you even have any kind of certainty of love when, you know, you don't feel it and you're not there.
3: I think that that is um, when love shows up the most. I mean, honestly, I think love is less about the feelings and more about the work. I did a wedding recently, and uh, my whole thing is like love is not like cold pizza. You know, it's not like heartburn. It's not what you feel in the morning. Love is the work that it takes to stay in the relationship. Love is in the showing up even when it's hard and difficult. Again, that, uh, that Corinthians text, love is telling the truth. Even when it's hard. Right? So for me, like I would say, yeah, I mean, obviously we kind of ran off on a tangent um, that leads to gushy feelings. But I actually think that if you want to know what real love is, real love is in the hard places. It's in the hard conversations, it's in the difficult moments when we're really to be our most raw and uh, vulnerable selves and by vulnerable i'm not using it as like a brene brown kind of vulnerable i'm talking like messy this is where i'm at i'm broken in this moment i'm frustrated in this moment and still finding a way to say how can i listen how can i be present or i actually love you enough to say i need to walk away and take a break so that i can come back to this conversation and be more present to you
1: yeah i think you know we gravitate towards points of confirmation and affirmation when we talk about love. Because without those, would we do the harder work, the messier work that love also calls us into? And in light of that, I, I have a thought that I'm just going to share, and then I want you guys to react. But one of the most important, love. so here, here's my thought. One of the most important parts of love in relationality between human beings is the ability to navigate the person's worst anxieties and fears along with them. And I'm not talking about accepting abuse of any kind, but to be able to 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 walk alongside a person's fears and anxieties along with them.
2: I think what we tend to do is we, you know, either try to quantify love in some way, like, you know, love is these duties, these responsibilities, these or we make it just touchy feely, you know? But I-, I think it's more than both of those. It encompasses those things, but it's it's always more. And and I think especially those of us who grew up or who were impacted by purity culture language, we have been taught to mistrust language of desire. And I think that love and desire. We need to find a way for those two things to come back together, which makes it more flow and fluid, less certain and yet extremely powerful and and poignant. You know, I, I would say like to follow up on what you said, Rajiv, or to maybe nuance what you were saying, that love is the desire to nurture the space between. It's a desire. It comes from desire. Like that's what makes us human is we have desires. And the opposite of love is is apathy. It's the walking away and not and being indifferent. Sometimes in that space between there's there's anxiety, there's fear, there's disruptions of all kinds. But I think I think ultimately it's the desire to nurture the space between from as healthy of a place as possible and empathy is really i think self-loathing right in a sense like because the love that we give is love that's generated towards us too we can fake it <laughs> we, we can pretend but love i think is really uh, a it's a gift that is given out of the love for ourselves you can't generate love out of nothing. So the space between is not just the space between myself and the other. It's also the spaces in between that in my, in myself, you know, my, the parts of me that are angry and want to take everything down. And the parts of me that are like super vulnerable and open and sad. And like, there's those are spaces between two and love is not apathetic towards all of the the parts of myself in the same way that it's not apathetic towards the space between me and the other. But I think love always knows that the other is the other. They're not a projection of myself. I know myself, right? I love myself. And I know that in my relationship with the other, the other is the other. And so we actually get to have a space between instead of like trying to conquest the other or subsume, there you go. That's the word, subsume the other into ourselves. And none of us do any of this perfectly, (laughs) but it's something we, it's kind of fun to talk about because it hopefully, you know, I'm just like getting ideas now in my own relationships like, oh, wow something for me to think about.
1: Yeah, the space between is really a powerful image and construct in this because it it inherently identifies separate things, separate entities, and what's going on in the space between is is it animosity, is it apathy, is it love? What's what's in between? And that's that's where these definitions really take root.
2: But rooted in desire.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and i think that desire is given to us by God the desire to love the desire to nurture to create those spaces between and in even when they're messy
1: that, that's perfect that's exactly where I was going next because <laughs> you know we op- I open with this idea that you know love is a mystery it's before during and after our conversation it's bigger than us it will remain a mystery so i i want to I, I i'm asking now is like so this big mystery that's bigger than us we can't comprehend and jeff sort of hates it and you know we're, <laughs> it, it, why does it draw us then you know why why does this concept we don't fully understand why does it demand so much of us because it's actually what we were formed in
2: yes
3: it is the very thing that we were created in yes and we long
2: for it mm-hmm. That's why. Beautiful, Jeff. Please say something.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer that question either. Um, mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> not because I'm void of <laughs> love and just completely.
3: <laughs> You're an Enneagram three, Jeff. That's that, like honestly all of your threeness. I'm a is two, man. I'm a two. Okay.
0: But I'm a strong. The, the the three is strong yeah with me. that's true
3: the three is surely strong with you um, my friend
0: i just it's it's so i don't know it, it, maybe this for me it, it's because it's so open-ended and so like mystical i i i know i i, <laughs> I hate mysticism too but i <laughs> i don't like like it it needs to have like Flesh and bones for me, like some sort of practical thing. So when I think about love, it just I feel I do love a disservice if I translate it into those practical things and what it looks like, because then it kind of puts it in this box or, or whatever, um, you know, so when you know reggie when you ask that question i just the only thing you think of is because we do (laughs) and i know that's super simple but it's like you know i i I don't want to overthink it and i just um i i want to live in it and i want to be mad when i'm not seeing what i think it should be and (laughs) i just want i want to be that so uh i don't know
1: (laughs) yeah No, absolutely. I mean, because we do is like, ultimately that's, I think if we keep distilling it down, it's where we end up because we can't, we can't explain our motivation and our draw towards something that's beyond our art comprehension. You know, we have these, again, these points of contact, these points of affirmation, but it's just entirely too big. And I think that's that's why it's so powerful
0: and beautiful and compelling because it is big. It's beyond us. Right. I think we have a certain amount of agency when it comes to love. Like, I think people will do nice things for us that are awful, but we can still take love from that. You know, like Bonnie said earlier, it's it's, it's messy. So I can feel love from someone who's giving me a gift for ulterior motives and internally maybe that, but I'll never know that. So I can, I can live in that, that ignorance and still feel love, which is why I have a hard time again, boiling it down to to specifics and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I just think it's this big thing, you know, to bring in a Bible verse. I think, you know, when, when scripture says God is love, maybe that, that is the most accurate definition for me because it's mysterious and I don't know anything about it. And my ideas of it change all the time. And I just know that I still believe in it some days, (laughs) some days not like they, they both feel very like akin and similar to me.
2: Yeah. You know, I think too, how many of you have heard that, that love is selfless. I mean, I think it's the opposite of that. I think love is self full. It's, it's in the fullness of ourselves that, that we are able to maybe experience love and also generate love. It's in the desirous part of ourselves rather than in the sacrificial part of ourselves. And, um, and I love what you said, Jeff, God is love. You know, God is, God is creator. God is, you know, all of these ways that God acts love or, or we, you know, all the stories, the great stories of the scriptural traditions of God in action and if God is love, then that action is love. And it's it's a mess. It's like a whole spectrum. To be able to see love in each of those things, I think does help us maybe understand even more and more deeply what love is. How to be love. How to receive love. How to give love.
1: That may be a good place for us to hit the pause button on this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Unless somebody's got more to add before we head towards the segment. <laughs> All right. So that's where we're pausing today on the topic of love. I mean, of course, the conversation continues. We would love to hear what you think. Send us an email. Go to our website, arenacast.com, to add your voice to this particular conversation and comment on the show notes at arenacast.com slash 191. In the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the ways to add your voice to this conversation. And if you haven't already, join the mailing list. It's an easy, comprehensive way to stay updated on all things ArenaCast. You can find the link to, to, to subscribe in the show notes at ArenaCast.com slash 191. And on the other side of the music, Bad Advice Column.
0: Please don't forget our Intersections Winter 2022 cohort is Thursdays, February 3rd through March 10th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, like we mentioned at the top of the show. Space is limited, so please register today at our Intersections website, theintersections.space. That's theintersections.space, or use the link in the show notes. And before we get to the other side of the music, here's Lisa Butler telling you a little bit about her experience with Intersections.
4: I have been attending Intersections for about two years both when it was in person and virtually, and it has made a big impact on my life. It was just a safe space to explore those deep questions that were starting to come up for me. I just really appreciate the way that the four leaders hold space for you and give you that set-aside time to think about the deepest questions that usually in a fundamental or evangelical past, you know, you always were given answers. This journey that we're on is about finding answers for ourselves. I can't tell you how valuable for me it has been to have time set aside with other people that understand. It's really been life-changing. I just can't tell you how wonderful this program is. And I really encourage you to try it. Check it out.
1: All right. Bad advice column. Each of us are going to share a problem that we have that we want some advice on. And our dear, dearest and nearest friends are going (laughs) to give us their worst advice. So I will start. (laughs) Dear friends, I have on the inner part of my leg, not quite at my kibbles and bits, but nearby, (laughs) I have this persistent, annoying, unnerving rash, and it will just not go away. What should I do? I'm about to lose my mind. I, uh, did
0: you just say kibbles and bits? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm still
2: oh
0: really a little bit from that one. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: that's fantastic. I feel like we're about to, you know, if someone takes us out of context. This will be a world of disinformation. <laughs> now we're giving medical advice on Rajiv's kibbles and bits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, <laughs> I would say, um, don't worry about seeing a doctor. They don't know what they're talking about anyway. Um, they're a part of the medical establishment. So everything that they say is funded by the Biden administration. So I would stay away from there, first of all. Second of all, I would go down to Petco. You know, I think it's ironic that you said kibbles and bits, because if you if you go to the other <laughs> side where the kibbles and bits are located, then you'll find the wet dog food. And in there, there's a certain amount of enzymes that, that'll, help, that'll help break down, uh, you know, the infection. So you just need to lather it on twice a day. Um, and then, uh, you know, within a couple of days, you should be fine. But just make sure that you keep your cell phone out of your pocket because the 5G radiation will activate the the wet dog food and uh, create a bigger rash and you'll start being tracked by the government so there
1: you go rajiv (laughs) if i wasn't feeling nauseous already i'm (laughs) feeling nauseous now (laughs) all right who's next who's got the answer to my problem body
3: go first
2: (laughs) this is one where i'm like what am i doing on this podcast exactly (laughs) Um. Okay. Uh. What you need is some rattlesnake venom. So you need to go hiking on a very hot day in the desert, and then, and then you need to uh, listen closely so that you can hear the rattlesnake rustling in the in the, the the brush, and when you hear it, grab that snake. Grab it by the tail where it's rattling, okay? It'll whip back around. It'll probably want to bite you, but don't let it. Grab it by its head, and then you can milk the venom out of it, out of its fangs. You put that milk in some kind of a bottle, and then apply that to your area of concern, and with within minutes, it'll take care of it.
3: I'm over here dying because <laughs> I was waiting for it to... <laughs> I was waiting for her to say, "And let that snake bite your kibbles and (laughs) bits."
2: I almost went there, but you know that's what she was going to say.
1: It was right there. She just decided she wasn't going to fully. I cannot breathe. She she just chose to not fully immerse herself in our shenanigans because she wants to remain above it. That's exactly (laughs) what happened.
2: (laughs) No comment.
3: (laughs) The truth is, Rajiv. What do you need a leg for anyways? I say you find uh, your nearest uh, butcher, because as Jeff already said, the, you know, the hospitals and the medical establishment are all untrustworthy. And so you find your nearest butcher and you pay him, you know, a hefty Mm -hmm. amount of money and you just let him take it off.
0: wait the leg or the kibbles and bits <laughs>
1: <laughs> all of it. it may all have to that's, go. Right. that's <laughs> right the whole area is infected you may all have to go <laughs> all right that's that's awful advice perfect for this game uh and yeah if you came in part way to this segment um it's the bad advice column
2: all right the bad Who's- advice is to keep listening <laughs>
0: Way to to promote the show,
1: Oh
3: my god!
0: Oh man! Maybe I'll make that our cold open, and we'll see our numbers drop. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Who's got the next problem that we need to fix?
3: So um, every Monday morning, my neighbors across the street mow their yard, and. rake their leaves, any extra leaves that they cannot basically uh pick up, they blow to my side of the street. What should I do?
0: Well, you know, Casey, we've just had this conversation about love. And and some would say that loving your neighbor would be going over there and having a polite conversation saying, Sir, madam, please, you know, be careful when you're blowing your leaves into my yard. But I say that that is not love at all because all that's doing is justifying their actions. So I think the truest form of love that you can show your neighbor is a full on assault. Um, I would start (laughs) passive aggressively at first, um, stealing small pieces of mail, (laughs) throwing your dog crap over to the other side of the fence, Um, just little things to let them know, hey, there's probably something that you need to evaluate in your life that you need to think about, and these passive-aggressive measures will hopefully trigger that, and they'll come to their senses. Uh, unfortunately, humanity is trash, and that's probably not going to work. So you'll have to go to the next phase, but you do want to give them grace enough to start with a passive-aggressive option, and then the next phase, I believe, would be um, vandalism. <laughs> you know, you know, clear vandalism. Start with some spray paint. You know, uh, th- throwing rocks through windows. And whatnot. Uh, And then finally, if that doesn't work, then you know what you need to do is you need to go over there. You need to (coughs) drag them out by their collar. And then you need to, just like you would for your dog, you need to rub their nose in the leaves leaves (laughs) and say, no, no. (laughs) And then there you go. And I believe the problem will be solved. They'll understand that you love them and You will have a more fulfilling relationship as a result.
1: (laughs) So it sounds like a real problem, like something that's actually (laughs) happening in your neighborhood.
3: Yeah, they literally blow (laughs) their damn leaves into my yard.
1: Here's a legit solution. What you do is you go ahead and, you know, take it up. Get Jeff to help you make a really professional looking flyer. Top dollar for your leaves, (laughs) right? Right. Pass it around the neighborhood. Go ahead and bag up that person's leaves. Take it in your pickup truck, because I know you got a truck now. Take it somewhere. I don't know. I mean, it's extra time. And then find find somewhere just an empty big screen TV box. Bring it back in your pickup truck and be like, thanks, neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of work, but... You know, this is supposed to be the bad pers-
3: advice column.
1: That that person will end up taking your leaves. It is terrible advice. Who wants to do all yeah, that that's stuff? True. I'm with I'm with Jeff. Put it in a <laughs> pile in their front yard. Toss a little gasoline on it. <laughs> I'm, that don't do that.
2: <clears throat> I I this is this is like it's a hard one because. The bad advice I have, I have is so bad, I can't say it out loud. <laughs> and all the other things I'm thinking of are like, no, go and ask your neighbor to have some hot cocoa and have a conversation about the leaves, which is not, I mean, not necessarily bad advice. It could be.
0: Bonnie, if I may like yeah. help you out, Like I think you're on the right track, hot cocoa, but instead of hot cocoa, <laughs> offer tea that you've made from their leaves.
3: There you go. Oh,
2: there you Okay, thank you. So Jeff is helping me out here. So yeah, take their leaves after
3: Cole has taken a walk. You know, yeah, you know, through their leaves,
2: <laughs> make some make some tea, and and go over and say, hey, I made you a nice hot thermos of tea from the leaves that you. Or actually, you don't tell them that first. You let them try it out. Try it. Say, I brought you some tea. Tea is always brings such comfort and love. On these cold days, I just wanted to share some with you. And then when they drink it and spit it out, you tell them, I made that tea from those leaves that you left on my side of the lawn or on my side of the fence. And um, just don't do that again. Add a little threat in there at the end. My, you want to hear my own bad
3: advice? My bad advice was to stare out the window and wait. And as I catch them blowing it, I run outside with my blower and blow it back. <laughs> so basically we would stand in the street having a blowing, a blowing contest. Board. Yeah.
1: So so we've had poisoning, arson, right. vandalism, and passive aggression all in one. That was just Jeff's round. <laughs>
0: Man, this episode is not looking good for me. I hate love and I came up with these way too easily. So, uh, apparently I'm inv- vindictive also. Yeah. All right, who's got the next
1: problem?
2: It's so tricky cuz I don't want people to read into any of it. Like this is completely fictional.
3: <laughs> right. This is meant to be fun, everyone. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, I have I have a colleague not really, but this is just pretend. I have a colleague who's like always looking over my shoulder constantly and trying to catch me doing things that like that are wrong, trying at every opportunity to let the boss know that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing at work. So what should I do?
3: I say you come pick up some of the leaves from my house <laughs> and you make them some tea. <laughs> And you sit down with them and have a heart-to-heart about how you notice um, that they are being a little, uh, you know, controlling, a little micromanaging, and that if they don't quit, the next thing you'll do is bring them a cake. (laughs) A cake? Yes. And the cake will be full of dog crap.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That'll solve it.
1: I think you you um, bake them some special brownies. Yeah. <laughs> overdo it. Yep. Give it to them like secret admirer <laughs> gift. And just for you, don't share with anybody. And then they end up being totally toasted throughout the workday. And you can just alert your boss, be like, I'm not sure what's going on with so-and-so, <laughs> but they're, they're not doing okay, you know. They, they might need to, uh, a
0: little talking, too.
3: That's a good <laughs> one, Matt. <laughs> I,
0: I, would, I would say uh, surveillance and then hmm. followed up by some good old-fashioned blackmail, um, you know, and then use that to then, for a little bit, just for fun just for some giggles do the same thing to them like stand over them and say what are you gonna do you can't do anything (laughs) sorry and then just give them a little taste of their own medicine uh and then you know then you'll be then you'll be golden
2: (laughs) blackmail that's always good
0: Mm -hmm. all right is it is it my turn for my problem it is okay okay much like bonnie this is uh not a real scenario um and it also has to do with the coworker. Uh, I'm having a real issue again, you know, not, not, not for real, but I'm having an issue with a coworker that keeps referring to their private areas as kibbles and dicks. <laughs> <laughs> again, fictional, just pulling this out of nowhere, uh, but I'm not,
3: <laughs>
0: I'm not sure how to deal with it really. And it's making me uncomfortable.
1: Well, Jeff, you've got to approach this person with a ton of compassion. Because if they're actually talking to you about their kibbles and bits, something really troubling is going on. And they deserve love, kindness, and patience. Do nothing harmful to them. Nothing
0: whatsoever. Uh, Okay. It seems contrary to the 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 art of this exercise, but I'll, I'll take that to heart, Reggie. Thank you.
2: Uh, that's your bad advice. <laughs> I I don't. I think you got to report that. <laughs> I think you need to find out like what what's the grievance policy at this workplace, uh, and you need to like you need to take it to the next level. I mean, true. you know, that could be that could be a very disturbing and offensive um work situation there right so yeah for sure i would uh i would go all the way with it maybe to the supreme <laughs> court if it gets there
0: <laughs> yes because i mean they have a proven track record of dealing with things like this so yeah Bunny,
2: most
3: I, of them I, haven't I, even I, seen gibbles of <laughs> <different> and ages <laughs> they'd love this case
2: uh, i mean it could be it could be like you know the jeff Manildi law that changes everything across america nobody can ever refer to their private parts as kibble kibbles and bits again <laughs> it, according no, to the law
1: no more genital euphemisms in the workplace <laughs> right. so jeff right
3: this is what you need to do <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Obviously your co-worker uh, may have some feelings around their private parts and, and so what you need to do is help them with their own, their self image and change
2: it. <laughs>
3: okay, let me pull it together for a bit. Oh my
1: gosh. And it's it's like in the morning, so none of us have done anything to help us be this fun. Oh,
3: okay, so <laughs> this is what you need to do, Jeff. Obviously uh, your coworker has some self-image stuff going on that they would call their private parts kibbles and bits. So what you need to do is invite them over, and you need to invite them to give you a full viewing of their kibbles and bits and help them come up with a new, more affirming name for their private parts. You know, something, who knows, who knows, who knows. But something that's oh really God. just, you know, right there. Give them a little more.
0: Who. Oh, Good man. segment, Rajiv.
1: <laughs> There's a suit and a counter suit, right I'm there. I'm like crying. <laughs> oh, my I'm God.
2: Cry. Dude.
1: I, I'm having a hard time reading. That was so we, ridiculously fun. Do we need to fun. put a
2: PG ready on this? <laughs> that was
1: so ridiculously fun. <clears throat> I mean, it just goes to show, right? We, along with everyone else, has been holding so much in <laughs> over these last year and a half, two years. Ugh, we just need to be stupid have some fun
2: especially you
1: and if anybody is uh, an enemy of ours there's plenty of fodder we just <laughs> handed to you to put out there out of context so good luck with that <laughs> that will do it for us this week folks intersections coming at you live thursdays february 3 to march 10 2022 7 p.m pacific time Space is limited. Sign up. It's conversations for folks who are going through the process of thinking about actually leaving conservative fundamentalist controlling environments and into whatever's next. If you enjoy ArenaCast and would like to join the work we're doing, please consider donating to our PayPal link at ArenaCast.comslash PayPal. We are committed to keeping the show free for listeners. But there are costs involved and your financial support helps. That's slash PayPal. Arenacast is also a nonprofit organization so your donations are tax deductible. You can also support the show by just making sure you follow wherever you listen to podcasts. And if your platform allows it, leave a rating and/or review. So for this week, this is Rajiv. I'm Jeff.
2: I'm Bonnie, and this is Casey.
1: Thanks for joining the conversation.